course, in the Old Testament, uh, in Leviticus 18 as well as Leviticus 20, it says a man shall not lie with another man as a woman. It's an abomination. And it's also addressed, of course, in the New Testament in Roman chapter, Romans chapter 1 and numerous other areas. So God has never rescinded his, his belief on this issue. It's a moral, moral law and that is still in place for today. A lot of the ceremonial laws and things that they used to do about washing cups and you know, uh, many other things, not mixing linens, certain types of fabric together, that's something that's totally different. But not murdering someone. Murdering is a sin. And God, to this day, he, Jesus Christ is, uh, the Bible says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus. So God has not changed his views on the homosexual issue. So, again, when the Lord saved me out of that lifestyle, and again, by God's grace, I no longer struggle with that whatsoever. Uh, you'll hear tomorrow on what the Lord did in my life and how I was able to deal with things that happened to me early on in my childhood that really messed me up big time. And I was able to take biblical principles, what God said, and go back and deal with them biblically. And unbelievably, God's word works. If you, you're faithful and you obey what God's word says, it really, really does work. So I'm uh, very, very grateful and thankful to the Lord for that. And he, when we got married, he called us into ministry. Uh, we've been married again almost 24 years, but we've been in ministry for 18 years this year. And primarily we are missionaries and evangelists to the LGBT community. I don't really like using that word community, but of course, you know, we, you have to be nice but what, is those, what, what does that mean, LGBT? Can anyone here share and know what those four letters stand for? Perfect. Yeah, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. So many of you will probably notice within the last two years, the transgender issue has just blown up. It is one of the biggest things now. You see, a lot of the, the gay and lesbian community, they were fighting for equality, marriage equality, equality in every way, being able to adopt children, um, any, anything they want equal. They didn't want a different word for what their relationships, and initially it was civil unions, if many of you re might remember that. Uh, Vermont, Hawaii, other states granted civil unions. That was not good enough. We don't want to be different. We want the same. But the problem is, is that really is homosexuality and heterosexuality equal? Is it equal? And so we ask people that, is it, is it equal? And now in, in whose eyes? See, there's something that's different. As Christians, we are going by totally different principles, practices, belief systems, preferences, convictions. We believe what the word of God says. And that's how none of us are perfect. Uh, many of us fail in different ways. I am, believe me, I'm, God might have set me free from that, but I still fail in many other ways. Um, you know, um, I always say that you ask my wife, one of the biggest things is, is it true with all men? Do you guys have piles of like clothes and stuff all around the house near your bed and everything? That's my biggest thing. I've got piles everywhere. Stephen, can you please clean up the mess and everything? And I end up taking people, come over, I move one pile to another place. And so anyway, so I still have my issues, so pray for me on that. But uh, 
regarding this issue, um, you know that over the last 10, 15, 20 years, the LGBT movement has progressed incredibly. It's progressed so much that now you turn on the television, it's everywhere, on every single show. Most recently, Walt Disney now is saying the big controversy of the, the gay character in Beauty and the Beast. Um, what's the guy's name? Lafou? Yeah. Yeah. Um, saying that he is gay. And then at the end of the movie, there are two uh, same-sex people or characters that kiss or something. Um, so, so what's been happening now is that the gay and lesbian, the whole entire movement through an organization called the Human Rights Campaign. Now, when you hear that word, the Human Rights Campaign, it sounds like we'd all be for human rights, right? We, we want, everyone wants to have human rights. The Human Rights Campaign is primarily focused on forwarding and pushing the gay and lesbian issue. They are fighting on every single level for equality, uh, for laws, for not, for not for regular protection, but for special rights, special protections toward them. You know, if you, God forbid, if there was a, someone went to an ATM machine and say uh, Grandpa Joe was out there trying to withdraw $40 from the ATM machine and some thug was watching him and pegged Grandpa Joe because he was elderly and came and hit him on the head with a pipe and stole the money, that's obviously a crime. However, now you see uh, a gay or a lesbian person, or let's say even a transgender a transgender man is a woman, a biological woman, who wants to become a man, or as they say, who presents as a man. A, um, a transgender woman is a biological man who presents as a woman. Say there was a transgender woman, which is a man, who goes to the ATM and clearly they see this is a guy wearing a wig and women's clothes, to go take out 40 bucks and that same thug pegs that individual because it's a transgender and clubs that individual on the head with this pipe and steals the $40, is that a crime? Yes, it is. But guess what? It's a federal hate crime. Total different class than Grandpa Joe. Same exact perpetrator and same exact heinous act that was committed against both of those individuals. But why does the man in a wig and clothing, a uh, transgender, get special rights and special privileges and all of that. You see, that's the kind of society that we're living in today. We are clearly living in a time when good is called evil and evil is called good. We are all human beings. People say we're all God's children. That's not true. If you read your Bible, God, uh, Jesus clearly addresses that. He says you're, you do the works of your father and your father is the devil. Until a person is born again and saved... Not because you're religious or you know about Jesus in your head, but until truly you are born again, you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God, then you become a child of God. Remember, wide is the, wide is the, the way or the gates and, um, to, to get in and, and broad, but narrow, narrow is the gates and there's and getting into heaven. Few there be that find it. So it's clearly Jesus is talking about two different people. Of course, in uh, John chapter 3, the uh, Bible clearly says that, uh, that the Lord wishes that no one, no man should perish, but everyone should come to everlasting life. So, as Christians, 
We need to love and respect all people. All people. Whether a man is wearing a wig and a dress or a woman is dressing like a man or whether someone is gay or bisexual or transgender or whether someone's an alcoholic or a drug addict or someone is just a, he- a heterosexual committing, um, you know, committing sin. Um, they're married and they're having extramarital affairs. You see, we are not judging people. But we need to really love those individuals. We need to pray for them. We need to share the gospel of Christ with them. That is the only answer, in my opinion, of what's going to change this world today. And it's, believe me, it's going to be super hard. Because you know what? When you stand for Jesus Christ and you stand for God's word, you are with all the, the antiquated backwater preachers who are just, society has just moved so far in advance and you're still there with your, your Bible and your little you know, Christian uh, you know, verses and all that kind of stuff. But people don't realize is that that is literally what change, changes people. We need to reach people through their hearts. We need to reach them through their heads. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the Bible that changed my life 25 years ago this year. 25 years ago. It took me from a wicked, wicked sinner who was drug addicted, alcohol. Uh, I had an eating disorder. Clearly, I don't have an eating disorder today, especially with a delicious banana pudding. Thank you, uh, Joyce number two. Where is Joyce? Oh, really, Joyce number one, depending on how you look at it. Yes, okay. Um, but I had bulimia where you eat and you throw up because you think you're heavy. And, you know, see, th- see, for me, the homosexual lifestyle is a very sensual lifestyle. It's you were out there and you needed to look your best. When you were going to the, the bars at night, you were going out to meet someone. So you had to look your best. You had to feel your best uh, in everything. It's a very sensual, self-centered lifestyle. If you know of any uh, LGBT people, you'll clearly see many of them are so into themselves. They, they really don't care about others. They're very lovely people, though. Many of them will give you the shirts off their back, but ultimately, it's all about me. That's what it's about. So the reason that Irene and I are, are here, of course, is uh, uh, Pastor was so kind enough to offer us the opportunity to be able to come and to share our, my testimony and our story with you and to discuss this extremely important issue. Not for us to come in here and sell merchandise and run out and be out of here. It's to begin a dialogue. We, we have been on the island now for a couple of years coming back and forth. We're from Connecticut and a number of churches have brought us in and we love the people here of Long Island. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ here. We want to be, uh, we want to be a, a ministry that will be here for you and for your loved ones, so we can now begin to teach a little bit about this. How can the church, how can this church, uh, New Village, um, how can they be, how can you guys be effective in reaching the LGBT community for Jesus Christ? How can you clearly understand the issue and really, really know about it where someone comes and you are now the authority? They really know that you get it, that you really understand. And many times is because they, they want someone who's really going to listen to them, not judge them and throw Bible verses and God hates you or anything like that, but someone who's going to really love them and help minister to them. So 
Uh, we're going to have some questions and answers. Nothing is off the, the table. We want you to feel free to ask anything that you'd like tonight. But at the same time, obviously, I say we need to be respectful, obviously, of we're in a church setting. But now I'd like to introduce my wife, Irene, who's a little bit softer volume-wise, so she may need to use this microphone. <laughs> Um, but Irene uh, is, is such an amazing woman, such a, a, a great wife, great lady, great mother. Her name means peace. That's what her name really means, peace. And if anyone gets to really know Irene, that's exactly, you'll see what I'm talking about. But Irene has run uh, the ministry's parents group ministry. She ministers to parents, spouses, family members, friends who have an LGBT loved one who's in the lifestyle. We've had the privilege of being able to minister to many of these people. We call them prodigals, children or people who were brought up in the Christian faith who had a strong relationship probably with the Lord and then at some point came out and identified as LGBT and knew, knows what the Bible says and just completely walked away from God um, and their families. And so Irene now is, is bringing those families back together and teaching them how can we effectively love and minister to these people, to our loved ones, without pushing them away. And I'm very uh, honored to say that she is going to be the first published author in our family. Thomas Nelson and Zondervan, the people who publish the Bibles, have just picked up my wife's very first book that she wrote. We were hoping it was going to be ready today. Uh, or by the time we got here, it's going to probably be in about two or three weeks it'll be out. And it's called Until Your Prodigal Comes Home, Encouragement Along the Way. And Irene is going to share a little bit about her book. But uh, one last thing before Irene speaks is in the table back there, we normally bring a lot of resources with us. We didn't do that today, but we have a flyer in the back that you're all welcome to take. You can pre-order Irene's book if you know of someone or you think that this book will really help you or benefit you or help minister to someone, you can pre-order that. I have some music CDs, uh, by God's grace, I sing and my music plays on Christian radio. We have tons of CDs of testimonies of people who have completely come out. They've been saved and came out of the LGBT lifestyle. We also have tracks in the back. Everyone's welcome to take one or two of them. And we also uh, have those available for purchase in bulk if you'd like to order them. It's I Was Gay and it's my story in here. And uh, it gives the reader at the very end a chance to pray and receive Christ. And they can call our phone number and we'll follow up and minister. We'll give them a Bible. We'll do anything. Help put them with a really good church in the area. Uh, finally, we also have our prayer cards with our family. Please take one of those. Put them on your refrigerator where you can pray for us. And if there's anything we can help you with at any time, if you feel uncomfortable talking in the setting, you can give me a call or give us a call. We have an 800 phone number and we'll gladly help you in any way that we can. So now, my beautiful wife, Irene. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. <clears throat> so if you're a Christian parent, sibling, um, relative, or friend of an LGBT loved one, you face the challenge of loving that person, yet not <clears throat> condoning their sin. And you uh, have this challenge, as what Stephen was talking about, with the world going against you, um, probably your friends, your relatives, and even some Christians disagreeing with your biblical stance. And so we're here to try and help you to uh, keep on pressing on and remembering that 
in Jesus Christ, all things are possible and complete change is completely possible. And always remember that your steadfast biblical stance is because you care about this person's eternity. That is what's on the line, is this person's eternity. And very often you will be the only hope, the only light that this person has in their life. And so I'm going to talk um, in details a little bit about how you can minister to your LGBT loved ones. Uh, first of all, many, many people call, many parents especially, call the ministry and they call shock because one day their child comes to them and says, I'm homosexual or I'm bisexual or transgender. Most of the people that call say their kid is homosexual. And the parents never saw this coming. They usually grew up in the church. They have no idea why. They have questions. They feel guilt, anger. And oftentimes they feel like the child that they knew, they thought they knew, has died. And it's, it is. It's like a death in the family because you grieve for that person that you thought you knew. And the way this happens is, uh, uh, let me explain, because we have talked to so many young people who grow, grew up in the church, and this is their story, like 85% of the time. There are root issues that cause same-sex attraction. And through the testimonies of uh, former homosexuals, we find that there are many environmental factors that affect a child along the way that push them down the path of same-sex attraction. Uh, some of them may be molestation, um, a bad relationship with the same-sex parent, um, or pornography, uh, and just a lot of not fitting in and um, family problems, sometimes divorce or a very difficult home life. And it's usually not just one, <clears throat> excuse me, one issue, but a number of things that have happened. But say this child who is having some problems at home goes to church with their family every Sunday and all of a sudden they uh, hit puberty and they feel same-sex attraction. Now they don't know what to do they don't know who to go to because usually a church will preach that homosexuality is a sin, but they don't really touch on how to come out of homosexuality. They don't really say much more about that except that it's a sin. So this child now doesn't want to disappoint their parents, doesn't want to disappoint the pastor, and they feel like they don't have a safe place to go to. And so they just pray and they pray and they ask the Lord to take this feeling away. Sometimes eight, ten years of praying, begging the Lord to take this feeling away because they know it's wrong. And some of them go on missions trips and they uh, memorize scripture and they do everything they can to be a good Christian so that God will take this same-sex traction away. And 
then they hit 1920, and they have been on this emotional roller coaster for years and years, you know, feeling better, feeling worse. And then all of a sudden they say, I just can't take this anymore. They come out to their families and they say, I'm gay. And at that point, they're very adamant about being homosexual and going down in that lifestyle because to their mind, they've been there, they've done that. They don't want to talk about God. They don't want to talk about, you know, to the pastor because they've prayed for so long and God hasn't answered their prayer. But what they don't realize is, is that there is, um, we're all broken because we're all sinners. But same-sex attraction comes from a particular kind of brokenness that causes the person to have same-sex attraction. And that brokenness needs to be addressed and it needs to be healed in order for that person to become whole, to move on to healthy heterosexuality. But if they're just alone by themselves, they don't understand uh, where this comes from. Usually they're on the internet reading all you know, pro-gay websites and everything else. So they really don't, because they're told that they're born that way, they don't look for a causal effect. And that's why by the time the parents and the family and, and relatives you know, hear that they come out and are gay, they are just not, not usually not willing to um, seek the Lord in, in healing in that way. But that, that's how some, uh, most of these kids that grow up in the church uh, hide their homosexuality. So they hide their homosexuality because they don't feel like it's a safe, there's a safe place for them to go out and talk to someone who will understand them and help them and not judge them. And we're here to help you guys make, be a safe place for this person. So, and um, evening, at, just like tonight, is, is part of that first step. And, you know, having speakers come in who have been homosexual and have been delivered, you know, that's part of uh, informing you and empowering you, uh, the church, to be able to help these, these people. Uh, so say someone comes out, your, your cousin, your child, and they say, I'm gay. Of course, you have a lot of emotion, you know, very upset, very understandable. And when the Lord opens the door and tries to, and you uh, try to have a, a, a conversation, an honest conversation with the person and say, okay, how was it for you growing up having this feeling? And let them talk. Listen, really listen. And what you're, you want to know their point of view, honestly, because you want to look for insights into where that brokenness happened, what happened. A lot of times if they're molested, they, they may not tell you um, because they are ashamed. But just listen and see what they say. And in doing that, you are beginning... Um, and hopefully uh, will nurture an open 
communication with this person who's struggling where they know that you are there for them and always say that you love them unconditionally unconditionally that you will not uh, you don't accept you know the sin as being right you you do think it's sin but nevertheless you love them and you will be there for them and um, that's a really good place to start uh, so another thing that you should never say to a person who's struggling is you choose to be this way because the truth is they don't choose they don't wake up and say oh I you know I think I'll be a vegetarian I think I'll vote for you know Trump and I think I'll I'll be gay it's not like that the way for many for I don't know, I guess all of us or many of us, we grow up and we naturally become attracted to the opposite sex. For them, they grow up and they unnaturally become attracted to the same sex. It just happens. So the attraction or the temptation is not a sin. I mean, it's not normal. But, you know, even Jesus was um, tempted by all things, and yet he never sinned. But these people grow up, and all of a sudden they are attracted to the same sex. And most all of the time, they have no idea where it came from or why it's happening to them. And so what you can say is, I understand that you didn't choose to have same-sex attraction, but you can choose not to act on the same-sex attraction. That is the difference. And if you say that to a person, they'll see that you understand how it is for them and, and where they're coming from, and they're more apt to, to trust you. Um, uh, one of the things that a person will say, especially in a family, is if you don't accept my homosexuality, then you don't accept me, and therefore uh, I don't want anything to do with you. And people do this left and right. In fact, there's homosexual psychiatrists who tell, tell their clients and have written books and articles saying, hey, if your family doesn't accept you, you bully them into accepting you. You tell them, you accept me and my partner, or you're never going to see me again. And that's what they do many times. Now, the answer to that is, and I know it's very devastating, um, but the answer to that is, you know what? The person is much more than his homosexuality. You know, do I define myself as, you know, heterosexual? I mean, I never, I never do that. I'm sure you don't do that. That's not how we define a person. Your, your loved one is so much more than who he's attracted to, you know, maybe he's an artist, a writer, a poet, a very loving person, an uncle, a brother, a cook. I mean, there, God has made this person so many beautiful, wonderful things, but the homosexuality is not the way we as Christians define someone. And that's why we as Christians can love the homosexual unconditionally that homosexuality is not who he is you know in case of a child he is my my son you know 
that's way more than just uh, that very narrow way of defining someone as, oh, homosexual. And so uh, that's a, an answer that a lot of uh, parents you know, need to know because so often that's what they say when they come out is you accept me or I'm out of here. Um, the next thing that if any of you have homosexual loved ones and, and friends or children, uh, you need to set up boundaries. And those boundaries are to protect you and to protect your loved one so that they know what to expect and you know what to expect. And I know many times this is new and you're just starting out at this and you have to explain that you know, these boundaries may change as I get to, you know, know better and, and you know, get to understand what this is going to have to be like. But boundaries are, say, if your child is homosexual and lives in your own home, the boundary is that, no, you cannot have anyone sleep over, you know, uh, and you cannot have pornography in our home. Um, or you have to be home at a certain time. So whatever your particular set of boundaries are, you need to really pray about it uh, as a family and make sure that you're, if you have children in the home, that they're protected, that everybody's comfortable, and that your, your homosexual loved one knows what those boundaries are so that they know what to expect. Like, say if it's a birthday party, you know, you can say for holidays and um, birthdays and everything else, I you know, don't want you to bring any homosexual um, partners here into our home. So if they know that ahead of time, they're not going to be probably asking you. So those boundaries are very important, especially in the beginning. And as far as um, uh, decisions to say if it's an older child and he's out of the house, to meet the partner or not meet the partner, uh, that really is something that everyone has to pray about. Because even amongst Christians, especially amongst Christian family members, there is uh, a difference. And I, I can see both sides, like aunts and uncles of homosexual, uh, who have homosexual nephews or, or nieces, they may say, okay, bring your partner, because they see it as a uh, point of uh, ministry to share the love of Christ with their nephew and with his partner, where a parent may not allow that because they say, you know what, it's just too painful. And also, the number one thing that homosexual people want is affirmation and they really, really want it from their parents. That is what they seek. And so the parents, if they choose to yes, say yes, I'm going to you know, meet your partner, they have to be clear with their child that this does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we accept what you're doing, that it's right. Um, and then you have to also remember uh, what are the consequences of your boundaries? If you accept their partner, someday,
be ready because if he or she ever gets married to a same-sex person, they're going to want to invite you to the wedding. And so how are you going to deal with that? Because if you've been, have an ongoing relationship with the child and the partner, you can't just all of a sudden say, oh, we're, well, we're not going to the wedding. They're, they're going to be very angry about that because they you know, assumed that you were okay with this. So it, it can get very complicated. Um, but if you, if you don't accept the uh, relationship with the partner, and if you don't meet the partner, they probably already know that you would not go to their same-sex wedding. And we never tell parents what to do. We say to pray about it, and different parents have different reasons for what they do um, and don't do. But I, I do have to say that the one thing that we are adamant about that we always say is no Christian should ever go to a same-sex ceremony, marriage ceremony, so-called marriage ceremony. This is my last point. <laughs> because uh, we, we, we believe that Jesus would never affirm or celebrate that union because it is a union of sin. It's based on sin. And so that's it. We'll open it up to questions now. Okay. So does anyone, um, again, we encourage you, if you're able to come tomorrow, this will probably all make a lot more sense to where we're coming from uh, on a lot of these issues. But um, please feel free, if you have any specific uh, people you may know that you're praying for, a family member, a friend, or a loved one, or... You know, anything, uh, any questions, this is your time to really ask or how we can maybe help you minister regarding a particular uh, in person. Anyone, just raise your hand up and Or, or there were sheets. Did anybody write a question down? You could write it down and have it anonymous. So, you know, we could answer it that way. Yes? That's true. Yeah. Grace and truth wins out. It's more powerful than what, you know, they're doing out there. Anyone else? Any other comments or questions? So that's a good question. For years, there was a, a, a myth going around that it was 10% of the population. And where do they get that? They base that on studies about animals who they say are 10% of the animal population is homosexual. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. it. We have morals, human beings, and you know, animals are animals. Um, when they did the census, it was a couple years ago, and, and I don't know, I should know the exact year that it was, 
Uh, they, I, it, I, based on the U.S. Census, it came out to, I think, 2.7-2.8% of the population on the census cards identified as gay or lesbian. I will tell you right now, those numbers have gone way up. Just because the acceptance, uh, it's, it's become something that's, again, uh, very casually talked about. It's on every television program. No matter where you go, you know, it, it's in your face. So uh, I am sure, you know, kids, it's the latest, greatest thing. The, I mean, in high school now, years ago, uh, I remember being out in, uh, I forgot what part of New York we were in, uh, but we were reading uh, the, the cover of U.S. Newsweek magazine, Is Gay Marriage Next? If anyone ever remembers that cover, it had two women hugging and they had a second cover of two men hugging. And I held it up that day and I told the congregation, I said, this is what's coming. This is coming next. And I remember some guy saying to me afterwards, he goes, don't you think it's a little bit of a scare tactic? That's never going to happen here in America. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I said, this, we're on the verge of this happening. And sure enough, it, yeah. it's exactly what happened. But, again, the transgender issue now is, is huge. And in high school for years ago, it was very chic and in style to have not only a, if you're a guy to have a girlfriend, but to have a boyfriend. You know, and now the latest thing is the transgender issue where kids are coming out saying, I, I think I'm a man or I think I'm a woman. And now we have this huge, huge debate going on with the bathroom bills um, of, you know, they don't want separate. Here we go back again with the same thing. It's equality. I'm, I, I'm a woman. I'm a man, but I believe I'm a woman. I want to use the ladies' restrooms. That's problematic. That's really problematic because there's already been cases in our own state of Connecticut of perverts going in there claiming to be transgender, and these guys are watching and filming women, you know, going to the bathroom. So, um, you know, confusion is not of God. It's of the devil. It's of Satan. And we are one messed up, confused country right now with all this craziness that's going on. So we, we need some real answers. We need some real people who can provide those real answers. And we need people to really listen. You know, I hate to say this, but, you know, Christians, um, we may not be the majority, but, you know, years ago, the Christian, the Christian right, as they called it, um, was, you know, there was a lot of people that were involved in there. If Christians actually believed and took the, the rein and the lead on this, and really spoke out and really did something years ago, I don't think we would ever be in this position right now. But we all know what the Bible says, and we all know things are not getting better and more rosier. They're, they're going to be getting worse and worse. And it's just the decay of society. Anytime a society has become so tolerant and accepting on the gay issue, uh, any of your, your major um, you know, great societies in the past, that was the issue that eventually led to that society's downfall. And I believe that the same exact thing is happening here in America, and it's, it's going all over the place. So, anybody else? Yes. I was actually involved in it for uh, for 11 years. I struggled all my life, but actively involved 
11 years with well over 100 men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there are many people who have come out uh, as senior citizens. Very dear friend of ours, Janet, she got saved and she came out of this lifestyle. And um, I think we haven't heard from her in years. I have a feeling she passed away. But um, yes, there are people who have gone, been involved yeah. for years. You see, God can set anyone free at any time. It's never too late. That's why we should never give up. The Bible does say that in the book of Romans that there will come to a point, if, like the Bible says, if today you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. There's going to come a point, and there comes a point in people's lives where if the Holy Spirit and God is after someone and they keep rejecting, rejecting, and rejecting, God will give them over, as the Bible says, to believe the lie, and he'll make them a reprobate in his eyes. And that word reprobate means eternally damned. They will never, ever have a chance of coming to salvation again. Do we know when a person becomes a reprobate? Absolutely not. As human beings, I don't think we have any idea when that happens. But we know a lot of former homosexuals, both men and women. And one of our friends, Debbie Abadi, when we first got married, and he used to hang out with her at the gay bars when you know he was a teenager, and we gave her the gospel, and she wasn't interested. And so we continued to pray for her. And then about maybe seven years ago, she came to Christ. She's now 60 years old, but she came to Christ. And, you know, she was, it was very sad for her because she was, she was just grieving um, the fact that she never had children. And, and she realized that it's too late for her now. Yeah. But, you know, the Lord is taking care of her. And we, we see her often. We, you know, she comes over and everything. And, and we even have fr- or friends who are still homosexual who come over and we my old, talk my, with my them. My old boyfriends. I just went down to, uh, to Nashville. Uh, talk about a weird situation. Um, one of the things I like doing is I, I love singing. And if any of you are familiar with Crystal Gale, the country singer with the beautiful long hair, I've, traveled, I've worked with Crystal and traveled with her since I was 18 years old. We've remained good friends throughout the entire time. And I used to travel with her with my old partner, Michael. Uh, I hadn't seen Michael in 19 years, and a month or two months ago, my daughter Chloe, I, and my old partner Michael, who I hadn't seen, we all met up down in Nashville, and uh, Crystal had invited us to go see. She was finally being inducted into the Grand Ole Opry uh, by Loretta Lynn, her sister. So we had the best time, and um, it was so good to see Michael, and Michael has never really been around Christian people before. And we had met some Christian uh, ministry partners down there. And it was so different and unique for him. And I was just talking to him two days ago on the phone. He's coming back from Texas, moving back to Connecticut. He's saying, you know, I'd love to, love to come to one of your events one time <laughs> and, and hear you speak. So, um, you know, the point is, is with me is that for five years after I got saved, I like a, say for drug addicts and alcoholics, I could not be around. The gay bars, I, I've never gone back to a gay bar, but, uh, you know, haven't been around my old friends or anything. But now, 25 years later, I feel comfortable enough where I can go back, and I have been reaching out to old friends. I have a lot of my former partners uh, on Facebook, and I share about Christ all the time, and, you know, speaking the word into them. You know, God's word never returns void. Mm. But again, the whole idea of faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, hopefully some of them are sponges and they'll at least start getting to that point where eventually we can, you know, reach out and share the gospel. That's ultimately the point. It's not to buddy up with someone and, you know, just be pals. 
it's ultimately to to be you know a witness to them and share the gospel with them yeah and michael was very angry in the beginning wouldn't even talk to stephen but this year on the phone when um he was talking to stephen he said uh i think i'm gonna cry when i meet your daughter chloe and he said he realizes that what God did in his life is real. And he's just so softened. His heart has softened so much. Yes, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, a little side note here. We just moved two years ago. Um, and we had moved into another neighborhood. And isn't it like God? We live in a, a condominium community, but single-family homes. And literally right next door to us, literally right next door, who does he put, put two lesbian women? And um, one of them looked very, very angry at first, and the other one was very happy-go-lucky. And uh, by God's mercy and grace, we are the best friends today. Uh, They know my story. They know my testimony. They may not agree with it, um, but they are coming closer. You know, we go over there all the time, and this is not for a pat on the back, but, you know, I'll cook them dinner or I'll... uh, you know, we take out their garbage. One is fibromyalgia, and she's in pain a lot. So anything we can do to show them Christians do not hate gay and lesbian people. We love them. And why do we love them? Because we don't want them going to hell. And that's not my words. I didn't say that. That's what the Word of God says. So, again, anyone who doesn't have Christ, we, we ultimately, we want to, no matter who they are, we want to love them and reach them with the truth. So, anybody else? Yes. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, politics is uh, a a pretty unique thing. Politics is all compromise, no matter who you are. You can be the the, the most upright Christian person, but if you're going to be successful in politics, you're going to have to compromise uh, and and bend the knee at some point. But I think so many of these politicians are so – they will do anything. They'll lie through their teeth or just yes people – and I think that's – I wouldn't look to the politicians to, mm. to really change society for us. But I think most of the public policy has changed because of the liberal judges. That's where they're going to change laws, yeah. unfortunately. One thing Irene and I have always said is, listen, if we were not Christian, just imagine, if you were not uh, Christian, and I don't assume everybody in here is Christian, but if you were not Christian, wouldn't you want to just be, sure, if you want a gay, lesbian, listen, does it doesn't hurt me, it doesn't affect me, you know, more power to you. Let's just love everyone, you know, can't we all just be friends and just love everyone and be one happy society and, you know, it all sounds kind of good, doesn't it? You know, why do we now as Christians need to be put into a corner and, you know, we're looked at as the ones who are bad because we have these stiff, rigid beliefs that we didn't come up with, but the Lord did, you know? And I think that just as uh, even with family, 
one of the biggest things with the gay, lesbian, and transgender people is because their numbers are so small, the way that they've become extremely successful is because of people like you. They go for their family members. They go for the parents, the brothers and sisters, other people in their family to have what they call straight allies. If they can get you onto their side and they see that, you know, listen, you don't want to lose your son or your daughter. You don't ever want to push them away, so you'll just love them and okay, and, and you let them come to your house. You let them bring their partner over for the holidays. You go to their gay wedding ceremony. You go out to dinner with them, and they're just like two regular people of the family. Oh, yeah, you know, Uncle Joe and, and his Uncle, Uncle Tommy, the other partner, they've always been part of our family. That's where, that's where we start really collapsing and falling down. This whole thing is like a little tiny snowball that started running down the hill, and it gets bigger and bigger where you can't even stop it now. So just remember is that, that a lot of these people are looking to, uh, to their family members and friends. And, of course, you never want to be put in a position where you stand out as the Lone Ranger and you're the Christian and you, you know, want to say what God says on this issue. But that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to do in the Bible. He says it's going to get to a point where he's going to put you know, uh, something in between a mother and a daughter. Uh, between the father and the son, and uh, eventually, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to? Who are you going to obey? Is it? Are you going to obey God and His Word, or are you going to cave in and to keep the peace in the family? You don't want to lose your child. You know, it, it's a real hard thing that happens. And so, with the ministry, what we do is we try to teach churches and families. It's a tightrope that you have to walk. And you have to learn how to walk that tightrope. And you've got that big pole, and on one side, as someone said in here, one is grace and one is truth. You're walking that, and at the same time, you can effectively love, love the gay and lesbian and transgender people. Honestly love them, where they see that you love them. But at the same time, you don't have to agree with them. And they will respect you. They will respect you for your for your beliefs, and that's why we—that's why we're trying to, you know, again, ultimately to to teach congregations how to walk that tightrope. Because the more people that can do that effectively, it becomes one powerhouse of a church, and that's what we're trying to do. And that's why uh, we were—we've been in ministry since 2000, and we saw there was such a great need for parents to have support, and that's why I guess it was in 2007. We, we began the parents group, and it's an online support group. And it's not just for parents. It's also spouses who have, uh, you know, spouse, well, spouses whose husband or wife is LGBT and... Or struggles. Or struggles. Uh, and some aunts are on, and, and it's really for anybody, but I have to say the majority are parents. Uh, and we started it so that uh, they could finally meet like one one woman she never even spoke to another uh, parent of a homosexual child in 20 years and she finally met someone on on the parents group website and finally talked to someone else she was felt all alone all that time and so we have uh, this free website that's available to all of you or any of your friends who feel like they need the support theparentsgroup.com yeah, or you could just let me know. Um, it's password protected. You put in an application, and anyone can put in an application, but 
uh, we always make sure we speak to the person to make sure it's not a plant or a homosexual activist because we really uh, want to keep this a safe place for, for all the members. And we pray once uh, a week on a Tuesday night for the past, uh, how many Ten years? years? Seven. Ten years. Every Tuesday night we're praying on a conference call all over the country, parents um, call in. And we have encouraging articles and links and websites and books and scriptures and, and guest music. guest speakers who come on. Guest speakers who come on and uh, over the telephone and we listen uh, and they encourage us. And we also have parents group meetings where everyone can get together and finally hug each other and, you know, get, and now with the get new to Facebook know each other. Live, if people are familiar with that, we are just getting ready. We have a new website that's being developed where we'll be able to have uh, live teachings on a weekly basis. Uh, people want to come in or they just want to check in and see what the ministry is doing very casually, maybe on like a Saturday uh, afternoon or something. You know, we'll give an update of what we've been up to. Yeah. You know, we've gone all over, all over sharing the gospel of Christ. We've been to uh, Jerusalem, Israel in 2006 for Gay World Pride, where homosexuals and transgender people descended upon Israel uh, oh my gosh, over 10,000 of them for one reason and that was to shake their fists at God saying you created us to be this way now we demand, can you imagine we demand that you accept us for who you made us to be mm -hmm. and so we went there with uh, 12 evangelists, mostly former homosexual men and women or parents who had, chi parents who had children uh, a number of them who unfortunately died of HIV AIDS and we went there and we had 10,000 rainbow bracelets made that said prideandpeace.com. And so people say, what is that? We called them, they were pride bracelets. Of course, the gay and lesbian, they love that word pride. So everyone, if you can imagine, we're passing them out and everyone's shaking their hands and their flags, all wearing these pride bracelets. But what they didn't know is on the inside were the scripture verses, the Romans road, where when they went now to the website, it told them to turn the, the bracelet inside out. There's a secret code on there, like the Da Vinci Code, secret code. And they looked at it, and everything they would click would share the gospel with them Till finally at the end it gave them a chance to pray and receive a free Bible. We shipped out Bibles all over the world when it came to that point. So we have to be, as in the ministry, our approach has changed constantly because we always need to be one step ahead of them. We need to be as wise as serpents, but as gentle as doves. So we want to reach these people in the best way that we can. One time, a um, stupid mistake, and you live and you learn, we broadcast that we're going to Provincetown, Massachusetts, where it was one of my biggest hangouts when I was gay. And we were going there with two busloads of Christians, and we were going to pass out free Bibles and, and uh, gift bags for the children of all the, the gay couples. They already knew in advance, and they had their whole group ready, and they met us, and they followed us around, and the lesbians were going, at, taking the, the gift bags and Bibles out of people's hands. That's hate material. Give that to us. We're going to get rid of it. And we found them dumped in garbage cans with all ice cream and soda and everything all over it. And at the very end, when we were getting ready to leave, we had one box left. And this lady, uh, who was one of the gay or the lesbian ministers at an Episcopal church down there, said, I would love that box for my congregation, please, because we want to share this. This is wonderful that you guys are doing that. person who was part of our group said, 
she's the one who's been going and throwing them in the garbage. Don't give them to her. So you see how Satan, they're trying mm -hmm. to plant the seed, and there was Satan coming, yeah. snatching that away. She actually, one of our evangelists and her, uh, whoever she was with, she pulled 700 Bible gift bags out of garbages all over town. We brought 2,000, and yeah. she pulled out 700. So again, this is what we do is we, you know, go, we do these evangelistic outreaches. And um, while I'm saying this, I will just throw this plug out here too. We're not involved in this ministry for money. I have a full-time job. I'm a real estate agent as well. But um, this ministry, in my opinion, is one of the most needed ministries of our day. Uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. Any gifts to the ministry are tax deductible. And in 2007, we lost 75% of our support uh, of the ministry when the economy collapsed. And that's when I ended up having to take a full-time job. And God has used the real estate now to supplement our income, and also we've funded the ministry to keep it open. You know, no man is an island. We can't do this on our own. That's why we need help of other brothers and sisters in Christ who really believe in the ministry, who want to be a part of the ministry and help us really make a difference. We have seen so many people come to Christ over the years, and I'll share one quick story with you. Um, we, had a, we have a CD called You Are Truly Precious in God's Eyes, one of the CDs we were giving out on all of our outreaches. And I had a homosexual man call me. Uh, actually, I apologize. He, uh, someone had ordered our I Was Gay tracks, and of course June, everyone knows June is Gay Pride Month all over the country. So everywhere they have these big parades, and it was in Dallas, Texas. Someone was passing out our tracks to everyone. And, of course, many of them were all thrown on the ground, ripped up, and people did keep some. Well, I got a call one time from a guy eight months later, and he said, I forgot what his name was, and he said, my name is so-and-so. I got a track at this gay pride parade. I was so angry that you had the nerve to write something like that, and they were passing it out, this hate material. But I took it and I, I read it, and I was so moved and touched by it. He said, I called your ministry, and you shipped me out a gift bag. And the gift bag was the CD, I, You Are Truly Precious in God's Eyes. We had some uh, Bible, we have one of them here, uh, Bible inserts for the Bibles of what does God say, and it's about homosexuality and the salvation prayer, and some other things, a bookmarker, etc., and he said, I received that, and when my partner came home, we looked at that, and he said, you get that stuff out of here. You throw that away. How dare you bring that into the house? And he took it and threw it in the garbage. He said, that night when he was asleep, I went into the garbage, and I got it back out. I put the CD into his CD player. He listened to me speaking to him directly, and he prayed the salvation prayer with me. He said, because of you and that CD, obviously it's because of the Lord. He said, I just wanted to thank you. Because of that, I am saved and born again today. I actually go to so-and-so Baptist church down in Texas. My partner and I have moved away from each other, but he also got saved as well. He ended up listening to that. He goes to another church somewhere, and he's faithfully serving Christ also. So we never know who we're going to reach. But again... This, there are people out there dealing with the abortion issue and with you know, all different ministries, the prison ministries, you know, Chuck uh, Colson and uh, Prison Fellowship. This is the ministry that God has called us to, to reach the gay and lesbian uh, and transgender community. One of the biggest mission fields in our own backyard 
that are going unreached right now. So all I ask again is just if um, if you can help in any way, shape, or form with your prayers and your financial support, we would love you so much to, to be part of the ministry with us. Yes. Well, uh, in Connecticut, there's many times when we do our mailings. We'll do a mailing uh, at the end of the year. Sometimes we do a mid-year mailing, uh, and we have people come over, and they'll volunteer, and we provide the pizza and everything, and we'll just be <laughs> stuffing and talking and having fellowship. Uh, we do that. We also um, are talking about having some local prayer chapters, uh, You know, especially we're talking to some of the other churches that we've been here on the island um, where it could be like a local parents group where not only are people can call in on our phone lines on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time um, and pray for one or two hours with us. You can hang up whenever you want, but to maybe establish a local prayer chapter where you have all of the resources that we have in the ministry and you are literally a local outreach to anyone who might be struggling or parents or, or people. So um, we've had in the past uh, people who were, had a pen pal ministry we get a lot of letters from people in prison. And of course, they are handwritten letters and stuff. And we just get, we're just so much we can't do it all on our own. So we definitely have a need for someone if uh, the Lord puts it onto your heart to be able to reach to these people, gladly send you uh, via email a copy of what was sent to us. And then now you can respond and, and communicate uh, back and forth through letters with that person and pray for them. A lot of people who are struggling. Uh, in that way, we ship Bibles, and you know you can't ship anything that's got a staple in it, or a, you know a pen, obviously. Mm. But so yes, or please call us, take our card back there, and we'll definitely find something for you to do to help out. <laughs> we appreciate that. Anybody else? Absolutely, and that's going to be the title of tomorrow's message, <laughs> called "And Such Were Some of You." It's First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11, and paraphrase, basically, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous, keyword, unrighteous, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, deception, unrighteousness and deception, homosexuality, transgender. Um, be not deceived. And then it goes, the, uh, the adulterer, the murderer, the drunkard, a laundry list, the extortioner, the... Uh, the homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11 was the one that changed my life. And it says, but such were, or and such were some of you. You've been washed. You've been sanctified, set apart for God's holy use. You've been justified, made right um, by, the, by Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That was the key verse. You see, I was Catholic. And I went to Catholic school. I, I did everything and not bashing Catholics. I never heard that verse before. I tried reading the Bible, what little I knew, and when, uh, when a, a dear friend of mine showed up at my door with the Bible and shared that verse with me, it just it blew me away. And, um, and I'll share the story of how I actually did come to Christ, but that's, that's my life verse. Thanks for asking that. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you. 
to another man. pray for you and um, will you be at the service tomorrow? Great. Hopefully you'll, uh, you'll hear some things and then maybe if you see me afterwards um, I'd like to give you something. Hopefully that will help you out with that a little bit. And maybe you can call us on Monday and we can speak. Oh, yeah, or whenever you're able to. We'll yeah, whenever you, yeah. yeah. Let me share something uh, uh, along those lines, something that bothered me for so long um, and, it's, it, and it was my mother. And my mother was very much, maybe not in the same way, but was very much like you with what you're saying right now. When I came out to my parents, and again, you'll hear everything tomorrow, my mother would never kiss me. She would never kiss me on, usually when I ever kissed my mother, unless she always would kiss, kiss me on the lips, on the cheek or whatever. She, when I came out, she would never do that. And it was noticeable. And it hurt me so, so much. And I finally asked her one time, I said, she went to go kiss me, and she would always go like that. She'd turn her, you remember, she would turn her head like that, and, 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 I, and I grabbed her face, and I went to kiss her on the lips. She goes, don't do that. And I said, why? She goes, that's disgusting. Who knows where your lips have been? And you know what? When, and when my mother said that, I cannot tell you how hurt I was, because I knew now my mother's heart me now my mother was very loving she she accepted me and my partners and stuff my father didn't but still that was the most hurtful hurtful thing with my own mother but praise god my mother did get saved before she passed away and uh you know uh my mother saw the impossible what we thought was impossible of me coming to christ and she met irene and she just fell in love with irene my mother loved her I loved her wigs, not my wife, but my mother loved her wigs and her gaudy jewelry and all that kind of stuff. And when she died, she left it all to my wife. So, <laughs> so but anyway, so that reminds me a little bit of my mom. But uh, any other questions here? Yes. You know, I think it's probably because they, they feel they're, they're more accepting. They're more open. Like, for example, the theater. I think a lot of gay and lesbian people are, many of them, and the pastor and I, we were talking to them, even transgender, are, are very into fantasy. They're very into, uh, you know, nothing that's not reality. So that's a profession where they, it allows them to be whoever they want. And they could be as flamboyant uh, as they want, or even uh, you know, artists to be able to express yourselves. And what happens is, for me, I, I'm an artist as well. I do portrait artwork and I've done a lot of celebrity work uh, and things. But when I was younger, and as I'll share in the message, I used my art as as a way of 
uh, of trying to get that praise and glory for myself. You see, God, I really blessed, I believe God really blessed me with that talent. And I remember as early as first and second grade, a lot of the guys hated me. They'd call me queer, faggot, sissy. They'd pick on me. Uh, you know, the girls were much better. I, I did more things with the girls, you know, gymnastics and, and that. But when it came to my artwork, I would make sure that my art would just be amazing. And now all the guys were giving me their attention, like, Wow, Steve, that's incredible, and it made me feel really good. So I think there are probably reasons why mm -hmm. people are, you know, people do go more towards certain mm -hmm. professions. Also, I uh, we think that the more sensitive uh, person is more easily hurt by things that happen in their life, and it, they're really affected by you know, maybe a lack of relationship with their dad or, or trouble at home. And so because they're more sensitive, they are more hurt and they have more anxiety, more depression, and they, they really um, don't know who they are and they're prone to same-sex attraction, you know, because they're more sensitive. Where this, you know, maybe hurly-burly guy who doesn't care, you know, doesn't talk, doesn't think, doesn't care about much. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm in like really uh, putting you guys down. And I, <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know what I mean, the more manly type man. Like, say if they got a divorce and he didn't have a good relationship with his dad, he wouldn't be affected emotionally as much because he's so, you know, stronger, where the more emotional person would be and I think the more emotional people are usually more artistic more in touch with their feelings and you know more sensitive and love art and music and all that So the little girl said she felt different at five years old? Oh, that she was different? And the girl came out as gay? Yeah. Okay. How old me... was she when she came out as homosexual? So, um... Uh, sure. Yeah, so, you know, um, one thing that we see that's very common, again, as I think Irene alluded to or mentioned today, is that when kids grow up in the church, uh, you know, they're young and they hear the pastor and he preaches maybe on this every now and then and talks about it, but deep down they're struggling and they maybe don't know what it is, but they, most people like myself would say, I always knew at five years old or so that I was different. I didn't know what the word gay was, but that I was different. And usually what happens is when it comes to a point, especially around puberty, 
it becomes sexualized. And then it, you're even struggling more. You're trying to pray away the gay, as they say. And you pray and pray and pray. And because God doesn't answer your prayer, many people just say, you know what? Then this is the way you've made me. This is who I'm going to be. And they come out. And it, it devastates the family. If you can imagine as a parent, uh, if you didn't have an inkling at all about your child and all of a sudden your child comes out as gay you or transgender, you feel you are the biggest failure. You probably have tried to love them, given them everything they wanted, maybe even gone over and above. You have four children. You've done the same for each and every one of them, but the child perceives it as differently. My parent never loved me. So parents take on what we call the, uh, the parental blame game. Uh, they, they feel so horrible that they failed and that they're the reason that the kids became this way. And uh, it, it becomes extremely troubling. Uh, oh, absolutely. And now the kids, of course, are dealing with it. You know, uh, gay, lesbian, transgender, biggest uh, problems with drugs, with alcohol, with suicide, uh, suicidal attempts. Um, because they always say it's because the no, my parents aren't, my family's not accept, accepting me. No, they're not accepting what happened to them. They don't know how to deal with it. When I was younger at 11 years old, I was molested by another man. And it was the most, one of the most traumatic things that happened into my life, except getting run over by a school bus when I was in third grade. But that had nothing to do with my sexuality. But um, I never told my mother. I never told my father. It, it, I withdrew and I uh, got deep into my art and music and just was totally changed. And no one ever knew, like, did something happen to Stevie? What, why is he acting that way? Never, ever admitted that until probably, I can't remember, seven or eight years ago, even in ministry. I never came out and admitted that because it was such a source of shame and hurt. At the same time, well, because I should have knocked the guy's teeth out and I didn't do anything, I must be what they say I am. So, you see, it's a vicious circle all around. And people have to open up and people need to talk, especially with children and parents and stuff. Instead of saying, you know, you can't be this way, I am taking away your phone, you can't live in this house and stuff. The parents, they should love the kids and not let them do whatever they want. But communicate. Communicate is the biggest thing. I always say regarding this gay issue, it's like taking a thousand-piece puzzle on one of these tables. And you have your mother and father and the family and, and the person who's struggling are all putting this puzzle together. And you're spending this whole entire time. And when it's done, you notice that there's a, a small chunk of the corner missing. Where are those puzzle pieces? We just opened the box. You know what? For me, that was those puzzle pieces were in my pocket. That was me when I was molested, and I never told anyone about it. And now when you put those pieces together, you can see exactly what happened and how you were not born gay or transgender, but how you ended up going down the path that you did. And we find that the biggest source of, um, of change and everything is coming when you get to that point when everyone's being able to open up and share and talk about now what happened is to go back and deal with those incidents specifically. And if you can, instead of drinking your life away or keep going to the gay bar or keep snorting the cocaine or doing drugs, if you're able to deal with those issues uh, from a biblical and a, a, 
a biblical and practical perspective, you can be set free from all of that. You can. You don't have to be a. I realized for me, I did not have to be a byproduct of my childhood. I was not going to let that incident define who I was. So when I died, and on my gravestone there was going to, they had to define me in one word. What would it be? Gay. I was not going to let that happen. So when I dealt with that, I was able to die to self, as the Bible said, and I was able to become a 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new man in Christ, where my life was able to change. It wasn't going to be easy, but step by step by step, I began walking in the Word, and that Word, the washing of the Word, began to change me from inside out, losing a lot of friends who weren't friends anyways, gaining more brothers, sisters, mothers, as the Bible said, no matter where I go here, I, many of you already feel like I know you, I can go up and hug you, and I've, I, like I've known you forever. And that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. Jesus is the great physician. He's still in the business of changing lives. Mm-hmm. So, And many parents deal with false guilt. False guilt is, is not real because they did not intentionally, I've never met a parent that intentionally led their kid toward same-sex attraction. So they're really feeling false guilt, and they need to realize that. It wasn't intentional, so they don't have to you know, feel guilty. Um, right. So you know what I'm going to do is, um, because of the time frame here, you know, we want everyone to get to sleep and be ready for church tomorrow. If you have any further questions, please feel free to come back and talk with us at the table or even tomorrow. Um, thank you for everyone who made the delicious desserts. They were amazing. Thank you for all being here and listening. And if we can, I'll close in prayer, if that's okay. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you so, so much um, uh, for Pastor Mark and Joyce and uh, just for the amazing dinner we had and the hospitality, Lord, and for everyone who made the delicious desserts or or contributed here. And for all the brothers and sisters, Father, who are here right now to to listen to us um, babble, uh, but to share hopefully some some nuggets that could really begin uh, making some change and, and helping them in their lives with their loved ones. Uh, Father, Lord, I just thank you so, so much in Jesus' name, Lord, for you loving me enough that you'd saved me. You chose to save me out of such a wicked lifestyle that I've lost numbers of uh, former partners and friends who died from HIV AIDS. And it's a miracle, Lord, I was never infected. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the one who's the one who led me to Christ. Thank you for Irene, um, who has uh, prayed for me, and my amazing wife today, and mother of our children. And thank you for Chloe and Blake, and for my mother-in-law Yaj and little Duppy and my raccoons. Lord, we just life is so wonderful today, Father. Um, it, I I almost feel many times that I'm living a fairy tale, and Lord, it's just so amazing when you're the author of that. Uh, that beautiful story, Lord, and it really is change that's happened in my life. And I pray, Lord, that that change, we can share that with many people, especially tomorrow morning, and Lord, that that will be such a source of encouragement 